I have the privilege this morning to introduce the speaker and uh, Dr. Lena Crusoe. Oh, I think you're known, Lena. <laughs> That's great. And I'm going to read this simply because of time and making sure that I at least have a few little pieces of information for you that you don't know her. Dr. Crusoe is professor of intercultural studies. She's also dean for the Office of Intercultural Learning and Engagement. She holds a doctorate in multicultural Christian counseling. She also has other, she have, has several other degrees. And, and so she says, move on. And, I, and when Lena speaks, I move on. <laughs> Lena spent her formative years in India and she has a heart and she has a mind for the empowerment of all of us through intercultural understanding. And I know Lena and you that know Lena, she has a passionate desire that we will learn how to live with each other, understand each other, and love each other. It's my privilege to introduce Dr. Lena. Hey, everybody. It's been three years. I brought my chair back. This is the same chair. I brought my, some of my friends that I've made since I've been here. Say hi to some of my friends. Hi, friends. So, you know, it's really glorious when we fill this space and we know God is present. But I'm always compelled to think about what's happening outside of here right now. You know, there's a world out there. The very first scripture I ever heard, and I didn't even know it was scripture. I just thought it was something that Christians say. You know, For God so loved the world. I think you all could probably just continue with that and finish it. But I never really understood my place in that, for God so loved the world. I thought it was just meaning for certain places, certain geographic places, certain kinds of people. Certainly the world wasn't me, not a little Indian girl worshiping many gods in a puja room. So three years ago, I sat up here and I told you my testimony, you know, testimony, right? When you came to life, the old died and the new came and you came alive. But outside of this place that we're all sitting in is the world. You know, things are happening right now across the street in neighborhoods in Marion, in neighboring states, towns, cities, across the ocean. It feels good to sit in here in this place and space. It does to me because I feel like I'm amongst friends, right? Safe, good, familiar. But I think sometimes that is a perception so I wonder if you would let me just sit with you again and just have a conversation. 
I don't want to talk about a personal savior today. And that may be confounding to some of you. It's confounding to me when God began to unfold the message that he wanted me to bring. But I don't want to talk about a personal savior today. I want to talk about the triune God, the very nature of God in the Trinity. I want to talk about our communal savior, the one who came for the whole world not just for the individual. Can you shift with me a little bit this morning? Can we talk about the communal God, the one who beckons us as a people of all tribes, tongues, and nations? Not the Jesus that's just Jesus and Lena strolling down the avenue well, at least I have Jesus. There's hate and suffering and pillage and pain and prejudice and discrimination, but I've got my Jesus. I'm good. So will you talk with me and share with me and sit with me as I share with you a little bit about communal Jesus, the one who communes because of humanity and comes in the form of being fully human. So I'm just gonna sit for a few minutes, is that okay? Just act like you're in Macan with me, we're having coffee, can we do that? Yeah, some of you have done that with me, right? Hello, are you there? Are you tracking, are you with me? Okay, I'm gonna read a few things because for me today is a really significant time for me to be very explicit. I don't want to be in my classroom where I'm, you know, going here and there and everywhere, and somehow you guys get the notes and then, you know, you do well. Today I want to be explicit. Can I do that with you? Yeah, talk, talk to me. I need to hear you. Okay, that's good. I have posty notes as usual. John 1.14, this is where I want you to go today. And for those of you that are drawn to touch the Bible and touch the pages, you can do that if you need to like open that up on your phone. I'm, I'm cool with that. But I want to talk to you about being fully human. Are we as a people of God, those that say, Lord, Lord, do we as a people understand that God came fully human. Divine love came fully human. So bear with me, or stay with me, I should say, as I read a few things. Are you going to be with me? Okay. So the word became human. This is the NLT. So the word became human and made his home among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the father's one and only son. A God who joins us, not just as a personal savior. Now don't hit the pause button on me and say, okay, I'm out. 
because Jesus came for me. What is Crusoe doing now? You got to stay with me, and I need you to love me enough to stay with me just a little bit longer. But a communal savior is what I want to talk about this morning. A God who joins us, not just as a personal savior, but a communal savior, one who came for humanity, his humanity, the creation of God's created beings. And therefore, our lives, I'm, I'm using plural, our lives as communities must be lived out, not as a personal responsibility to each other, but a communal responsibility to each other. Now, if that isn't a good place for an amen, then I don't know if you're tracking with me. And yeah, I'm very needy and I'll ask for it. We pursue the same agency with each other. As Christ did, listen carefully, as Christ did when he became fully human. He chose to come fully human and come among us. That's community. He pierced the darkness of his own power and privilege. Not not the human power and privilege that we live in on this planet Earth, but the heavenly realms of power. And he came here. So we no longer are just calibrated to a me and Jesus journey, but rather a Jesus and us journey. We expand ourselves, our individual selves, into each other's selves. We are joined with humanity now, together, each other's stories. We cannot defect, I repeat, we cannot defect out of each other's stories anymore. We can resist, we can push back, we can deny, but we cannot defect. We can't defect out, and out of each other's stories anymore. Have we forgotten that the gospel is about people, not projects? Yeah. Boy, that felt good. We belong to a new way of living. Not alone with God, but God with me and you and with us. All of humanity. Divine love equals God is love. God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The triune God in the very nature of God came. Emmanuel, God with us. I hope that the last time, I hope that the last time you heard that was not just at Christmas. God with us. Jesus came into the place and space of corrupt structures and systems to be among us and eradicate these structures and systems of inequities. Jesus choosing, this is about choices matter, choosing to be fully human and enter into here to be with us. Emmanuel, God with us. Do you see this? Can you grasp this? Stay with me. He became our stories. 
he became a little Indian girl story. He looked like a little Indian girl. And he looked like you and he looked like me. He embodied our stories. Now I know that's metaphorical, but think about it. He pushed on labels. He came so our stories would not be labels. Now brace yourselves. I'm gonna say some pretty interesting things. I want you to stay with me. Don't push back. Stay with me, stay with me. He did not come for the prostitute. He did not come for the poor. He did not come for the outcast. He did not come for the Samaritan. He did not come for the immigrant, but rather he came to eradicate the systems that made them into those labels. He came to eradicate a system where women, men, whoever were prostituted. And therefore they were called prostitutes. He came for a system that created the other so that we had immigrants and therefore he came to eradicate a system. He came to eradicate a system where women weren't allowed in the temple. He came to eradicate that, that, that system. He didn't come to save Lena from Hinduism. He came to come and get me because he created me in his image. And because my culture and my geography was India, I was highly likely to be a Hindu. The divine love of God became human and dwelt among us. A divine illuminated presence to struggle with us in these systems. You see, labels only point to systems of inequity that are of corrupted good. So our identities were never intended to be labels like the blank. Just fill in the blank. No, rather our identities are to be glorified as valuable to God, exalted, redeemed, restored, reconciled. He did not come to bring us into equal value in our personal separate identities, rather to bring equity out of division and despair. Not separate but equal, rather equitable and good because God is good. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of weak, man. I mean, I don't need it for me, but God is good. Not the little statue I used to worship. God was moved to compassion because he was the marginalized. He was the oppressed. He was the poor, the, 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 the. It's fully human, becoming fully human, not out of benevolent power and privilege, but let's be clear, God could have indeed come out of power even as a human, but he flipped that power, flipped it. He gave love and he received love. Now that's a flip. Let me read this quote by Pema Chodron. This is what compels us to the compassion I'm talking about. And then I want you to meet some of my friends. In cultivating compassion, we draw from the wholeness of our experience 
our suffering, our empathy, as well as our cruelty and terror. It has to be this way. Compassion is not a relationship between the healer and the wounded. It's a relationship between equals. Only when we know our own darkness, only when we know our own darkness well, can we be present with the darkness of others. Compassion becomes real when we recognize our shared humanity. That's why he was moved to compassion. So the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the father, the father's one and only son. Being fully human, he chose to be so that we could experience his divine love. So you want to meet my friends? They've been waiting. They said, Crusoe, you said you weren't going to go too long. We are connected to their stories this morning, and I want you to hear from them. Hopeless and helpless. That's what a lot of people would think when they see a kid whenever he's born. His father was in prison, and his mother was a struggling crack addict. Um, when I was about a year old, my grandparents walked into some shack. My, mom, my mother was nowhere to be found. People were passed out all over the room, and I was like, just eating a cigarette bud. And she looks to my grandfather, and she says, let's take him. And I gotta be honest with you, it's like one of the best things that could ever happen to me. Uh, my grandma was not a Christian, but she did raise me with like the right values and ethics to be like a good man, but I was still living in another world. So as I was growing up, my mother and father were in and out of prison, on and off drugs. Uh, my father was a drug dealer, so whenever I would see that, I would think I should be like him, because he's my father. Um, because I didn't really know my true father yet. Um, it wasn't until I was a sophomore in high school that I found out who Jesus was. Um, and it was then that I realized that, okay, Jesus, Jesus didn't reveal himself to me then, because maybe I would have probably blamed that on him, all the like pain and suffering I was going through. But what, then I realized also then was that Jesus was always there with me. And um, so with that, uh, to kind of sum it up, a little story. So me and the football guys, I play football. Uh, we're, pl we're over there in Baldwin. We're eating lunch, you know. And they're all going around, well, hey, my mom makes the best food. My grandma makes the best food. And it got around to me, and they asked me, D, uh, does your mom make good food? And um, I was like, I got to thinking about it. I was like, y'all, my mother's never made me a meal before. But, uh, but Jesus... Jesus let me feast. I am a godless one. Five years ago, I left my home country. I came here for high school. Then the word Jesus started kicking into my life because I never heard about it before. The first day, I arrived with my host family, and they were so nice and welcoming. They were so curious about my culture, about my country. I felt like, whoa, I'm valued. 
But towards our towards the end of our conversation, my host mom's like, Joy, I'm so sorry for you. Sorry for me. Why? She's because you guys don't know anything about Jesus. Um, I don't. She's like, but it's okay. We'll tell you more about him, then we'll help you. Help me. I was thinking to myself, why they're helping me? I didn't say it because I was so scared. So to be honest, I was really confused about whole ideas of Jesus, why those people are telling me I need help. And I realized probably because I didn't know Jesus, then I'm godless. Couple Couple days later, school started. I was sitting in my Bible class. My teacher was super excited to see me because I was the only Chinese girl in the class. She, at, right, be, right at the beginning of the class, he told me, Joy, it's okay if you don't feel comfortable praying with us because I know it's not part of your culture. But that's what we do here. That's what we do as Christians. So, but it's okay. We'll help you to understand. The word help just came upon me once again why they are helping me. I just feel like I was so stupid because I didn't know anything about God or Jesus because everyone else in the room seemed like they had everything together. They were all looking at me. I was in this deep, deep embarrassment. I was like, I don't ever want to talk to those people again because I'm so different. And then he just once again reminded me, I'm a godless person. As more I learn about God, the more I learn about Jesus. So fast forward a couple months later, I got into a car accident which is while I was on my way home from school. But the first thing the bus driver did, she turned around, then she laid her hand on me. She said, honey, don't be scared, then God is with us. God is with us. She didn't say she was helping me, but she shared the moment with me. She didn't just make any assumptions due to how I look, due to my nationality. I think that's a moment I realized. God has been with me the whole entire journey. And he has been constantly reminding me, like, don't be ashamed of my identity. Don't be ashamed of your culture. There's no need to be ashamed of who you are, which is who I am. The more I learn about God, the more I realize there has never been a single moment or a single place he is absent in my life. He was with me in the society I was born in. He is still with me in the system I'm living now. I'm a good girl. I spent most of my life building my identity around what I thought it meant to be good. Um, Partially my personality, partially my parents and the way they raised me, partially my culture. But I studied abroad last semester and um, basically had no semblance of a spiritual life my entire four months abroad. Um, I didn't do any of the things that I thought were what it meant to be somebody who's good or somebody who's a good Christian. I wasn't reading my Bible. I wasn't praying. I wasn't really including God in any of my decisions. And it was a, a total shock to me. And I, I didn't understand why I wasn't doing any of those things because it was never a show. I've never been a good girl just for a show. I've always wanted to be good. But God was showing me himself in other ways. Um, 
He revealed himself to me through the hands of the people he put around me. And those were people that were really different from me. They were people that didn't look like me and didn't talk like me and weren't raised like I was and had a different idea of what was right and what was wrong. And after I've spent my life learning to feed myself, learning to be good, learning to maintain my relationship with my father, it was really, really humbling to drink from a cup that was poured for me by the hands of somebody I did not agree with. And I see the way that the Lord unraveled every part of me, all these things that I had woven so tightly together, all these threads that made up my identity, my theology. He took them all away, one by one, through my encounters with other people who challenged me because they were so different. And I stand before you now and I am frighteningly threadbare. But it's so good to be here because the thinner I get, the clearer I see God, the clearer I see the people around me, and the better I'm able to stop putting distance between me and somebody else who doesn't have the same idea of what good is. Being a good girl isn't enough. And really, it's kind of overrated. You're just another angry black woman. This is the label that the system has attributed to me and so many others for most of our lives. You see, I have a seat at the table, I've been invited, but I'm not allowed to speak. No, I'm just supposed to be thankful that I've even been invited, but that's not enough. For so long, I avoided voicing and sometimes even forming my own opinions because I had been told by the system that if I speak, and if I speak with conviction, then I'm overly aggressive, I'm emasculating, I'm just another angry black woman. And so I hated my voice, and sometimes I hated my skin but I've been blessed to have an amazing heavenly father and an incredible earthly father. And it was my dad who helped me to see that my voice is nothing to run from or be ashamed of, but something that I should embrace and love and use for change because what I have to say is just as important as everyone else. So I want to speak to my women of color in here. <laughs> yes. Ladies, we share in a rich tradition and history of outspoken, strong, powerful women. <laughs> it's so much beyond the angry black girl narrative. So don't let anyone make you feel ashamed for sharing in that tradition. Okay. And to 
all of my sisters in this room. We're a group that we normally don't get spoken to unless it's time to discuss what we're wearing. But I want you to hear me when I say that you should never be afraid to share your opinions or your thoughts because your voice matters. What you have to say matters. So let's come together because we're not overly aggressive, we're passionate. <laughs> we're not hostile or mean, we're just well-versed in the truth and sometimes they can't handle it. <laughs> And if there is a man out there who feels threatened or emasculated by you having your own voice or being in a position of power, let him be, okay? <laughs> Ladies, you just stay in formation and keep speaking out. Privilege. What do you feel when you hear those words? Anger, embarrassment, shame, confusion? I did once, but now I feel hope. And I'll explain it to you. But what do those, what do those words mean to you when you think about that? Privilege. My personal interpretation of privilege as a, a white male who's living in a society that has a very long history of discrimination on the basis of race, class, and gender is that I am afforded like systemic adv uh, advantages that are based on something other than the content of my character. The last year has been a journey of realization for me as I've uh, begun to realize, <clears throat> sorry, as I've begun to realize how my privilege affects the world around me and how it shapes my view of the world and my place in it. It's kind of, it's made me shift from a place where I was looking down on others to a place where now I'm looking up for help. I'm trying to learn, you know, it's a, it's a hard thing. But now that I feel like I'm becoming more aware, I still need to get better. There's a lot of room to grow. But now that I'm getting better about being aware of how my privilege relates to the system I live in, I feel like I can finally join with my brothers and sisters in Christ to repair these inconsistencies that keep God's people from reconciling his church back to him. That good work that we will do together, that we should do together, that gives me hope because together we'll, we are going to reach out and pierce the darkness as reconcilers for Christ. Because I believe 
And I think all of us in here believe that that light that shines within each and every one of us, that light, it doesn't, it, it's not colorblind, it's not gender biased, it's not class based, but it's a light that sees and celebrates all of our identities, identities that we have with ourselves and identities that we have with each other. Together, we can flip the table of iniquity to end the system which gave rise to the labels which society now attaches to us. Yeah. And these, these same labels, we put them on that table. And we move forward together. All right, are you guys ready to flip the table? That wasn't loud enough. Y'all ready to flip the table? All right, bet. Friends, us together, our communal savior said he came to come and get us and reconcile us back to him. That is the ministry of reconciliation. There are no more labels. There are no more labels. Some of the greatest pain humans can feel or experience is to be invisible. And when you take people groups and large groups of people and you create invisibility, that is the greatest pain. And so Jesus came among us to eradicate the invisibility of his people and to say, I'm coming to get you and I'm coming to get you all and bring you back into unity on this earth as it is in heaven, not when we get to heaven. And so that is why he came. Friends, we are ready to move forth together. Can we do that? Mariah, my friend Mariah is gonna come and she's gonna close us in prayer. Let's be bound together. Because if you've come to help me, Lila Watson says, you are wasting your time. But if you have come so that your freedom is bound in mine, let us now then come and work together. Let's pray, Mariah. Lord, thank you so much for the space that you've created for us here. Thank you that you really are God with us, that you've never left us even when we didn't know you. And even if we've known you all our lives, you've been there. Even when we were mistaken about who you were, you've been there. I ask that you would compel us to move forward, to love one another deeply, to see one another, to look past labels. Thank you for being the best and the kindest and the wisest teacher. We love you so much, and we want to learn from you, Jesus. Amen. You're dismissed.